Hi, I'm Reverend Norm Bouchard, Senior Minister of Center for Spiritual Living here in Colorado Springs. Welcome to our service. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We're excited to share with you today's service and we invite you to let others know about our service as well and the inspiration that it brings in your life. You are joining with hundreds of other people from all around the world who gather virtually to be a part of our community. So I invite you to sit back, open up your heart, and enjoy our service. I'll be back with you at the end of our service to share with you other ways to uplift and create the best life yet. Enjoy our service. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thanks for joining us despite all the threats of the flakes out there. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you love the flakes? <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about. So last week we talked about self-love, that, you know, we can't love anybody if we don't love ourselves first, that loving ourselves is the crucial in introduction to all the other love that is possible on the planet. And so today we're going to talk about how do we love other people. And other people are always interesting, in case you haven't noticed, you know, and you sort of watch people's behavior. And my, the fun thing is to sit at an airport and sort of watch what people do and how they do it. And um, I, I watched people do interesting things at Costco. You hear me talk about Costco a lot, but just the dynamics that go on in trying to love people. And so one of the things I think we need to look at this morning is that why is loving other people often so difficult? And it's interesting when we begin to ask that question within ourselves, because what happens is there is this mirror effect that begins to happen, because what bugs us in other people is actually found within ourselves. I love that about our principles because that's what it really teaches, that what we point out in other people that we do not like is an unhealed part within us that we have yet to heal or have the courage to look at. It's universal across the board. Now, I love that about our teachings, and it really makes me uncomfortable. And the reason it makes me uncomfortable is I want it to be about them. <laughs> I don't want it to be about me, but it really is about me. And so everything in life is really about you. And it's all your biases and all the discomforts that we have in our own life. So when we look at loving people, love is not something you find in other people. It's from the reservoir of self-love that you give to others. You need to look inside to see how lovable you are before you can share this with other people. Because if you are not lovable, how can you expect other people to love you? And here's how it works. Because we live in a vibratory frequency, because we vibrate energy all the time, when we vibrate an energy of being unlovable, we find other people who are unlovable and then we marry them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we tend to marry that which we need to heal. So we vibrate at these different frequencies in life. And if you could actually put on your glasses, your metaphysical glasses, and if you could put on your energetic glasses, you would see at this moment that we're all vibrating at different frequencies. And so when we don't love ourselves, we tend to attract other people that don't love themselves either. And so we attract that which we need healing in our own life. Whatever you give back to life, it gives back to you. Say that with me. Whatever you give to life, it gives back to you. Do not hate anybody. The hatred comes out from you will someday come back to you. Love others and love will come back to you as well. 
So when you look at what's coming to you in your life, what's vibrating in your life, the kind of people that are stepping into you, you really are being asked to look at that which is within you and how you are vibrating on the planet. And so these days, there's a lot of they and them going on. There's a lot of prejudice that has resurfaced. And all of that vibratory frequency that is really happening is because it has never been healed. It has never been healed. We continue to pretend on it. We put bows on it. We cover it up. But in the core of our hearts, if we don't take care of loving other people and loving ourselves, we cannot heal this planet. No political system's going to do it. No amount of money's going to do it. But the vibratory frequency in which you and I are vibrating on the planet is going to do it or not. Thomas Merton, a wonderful theologian from the Catholic tradition, wrote this very powerful phrase that I love. He says, we cannot love ourselves unless we love others. And we cannot love others unless we love ourselves. But a selfish love of ourselves makes us incapable of loving others. So there's an interesting dynamic. We are hooked at the hip, as my grandmother used to say with her aunt. She said, oh, we're hooked at the hip. What I want you to know is we're all hooked at the hip. We have no choice but to be hooked at the hip. And so how we are connecting with each other is making all the difference in the world. And so today I thought it might be good for us to look at what are some of the keys that would unlock the possibility of having the courage to love other people. And I believe that there are three keys that will help us do that. And that's what we're going to focus on today. The first key is removing judgment. Oh, I hate this one. <laughs> you know, we judge people by the way they walk, by the way they talk, by the way they sing or don't sing, by the way they're dressed, by the way we think they show up on the planet, the hairstyle, you name it, we're judging. Tonight is the, the Oscars, and of course tonight... We're all going to judge the dresses. Yeah. My favorite line when I don't like a dress is I think that one got dressed in the dark. Look at that. So we think we're all the experts. And so judgment is this huge thing that goes on all the time on the planet. And it goes on on multiple levels. We judge people in our workplaces. We judge our bosses. You judge your minister. Your minister judges you. <laughs> Secondly... The other key that's going to unlock loving other people is practicing acceptance. And acceptance is a very important thing that we have a lack of right now on the planet. A huge deficit of accepting each other right where we are with the decisions that we're making and the beliefs that we have with each other. And last but not least, the other key is that in order to love other people, you have to give of yourself. You have to give yourself away to other people. It's one of the keys that you have to learn before you make an exit from this planet. So, judgment. Removing judgment. Yep, you're judging the cookies right on the screen. There we go. There was a woman waiting in an airport for her hour-long flight. And since her flight was delayed, she has several hours on hand. So she went to the airport shops and bought a book and a bag of cookies. She took a seat next to a man and started to read the book that she had bought. While she was engrossed in her book, she happened to see that the man sitting beside her boldly grabbed a cookie from her cookie bag. <laughs> she could not believe it. 
She ignored the incident to avoid a scene. She munched some cookies from the bag and went back to her book. But the man seemed to have enjoyed the cookies so much <laughs> that he took another cookie from her bag and started munching on it. By the passing time, she was getting more and more irritated as the cookie thief finished her last in the stock. Every time she took a cookie from the bag, he took one. When the last cookies was left, the man nervously took the cookie and broke it in half and offered her the other half. <laughs> and he smiled at her. The lady snatched the other half from the cookie from him and thought, this guy has some nerve. And even after he ate through half of my bag, he had no sense of gratitude. She had been so galled by the man and was so relieved when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and had an attitude and headed to the gate. And refusing to look back at the thief, she was irritated with him. She boarded the plane and sat in her seat reading her book right across from the man who had stolen her cookies. She reached into her baggage, and to her surprise, she found a full bag of cookies in it. If my cookies are here, she moaned and despaired. The other one, which she was eating from, was his. And he had tried to share. While she was flushed with anger about her cookies, the man across the alley happily looked at the cookies with her and blew her a kiss. She was filled with the feeling of guilt and regret, but it was too late to apologize. For now, there was a full bag of cookies with her name on it. You see, my friends, we are so busy grabbing each other's cookies <laughs> on so many levels. Judgment. Making crap up. That's my definition of judgment, so repeat it after me. Making crap up. That is correct. We're busy making crap up. That's what we do when we judge other people. We're busy making crap up from our narrow perspective of life. From our point of view, we're busy making crap up. So let me tell you about all the crap we make up around people that most people aren't lovable. Most people are out to get what they can get. And of course, whatever you fill in the blank about your narrow perspective of judgment, whatever that may be for each and every one of us in this space this morning, we are telling a story of ourself that has not been healed. Bless you. <laughs> judgment. We judge everything. And the real key to loving other people is to remove judgment. To understand that people are where they are, that they're getting their own lessons, that they're having their own experience of life. And our job is to love their experience. That's our job. It's not to make it our own. It's not to manipulate it. It's not to control it. Judgment and love are two different energies, and they cannot coexist at the same time. You have to choose one or the other. This morning, I'm inviting you to let go of judgment and choose love. Remove the expectations that we put on so many people and things and systems 
Because if our job is simply to vibrate love, that is what is going to radiate on the planet. If our choice is to vibrate judgment, we will continue to tear our world apart. Judgment. It's a powerful piece. Who am I to judge another person when I myself walk so imperfectly? I don't know what you're like, but I'm harder on myself than I am on other people. I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life. I tend to hold myself to a standard which I oftentimes fail. I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but I bet you have. But to love myself and to vibrate there for other people is what's being asked. You know, the master teacher Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew talked about this because he was dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, and the scribes and Pharisees were famous for being judges. They judged everything from how much people gave to what they were following, the law, the Jewish law, whether they were following that law to the letter of the law. And so Jesus gets really aggravated with them, and this is the quote from the master teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We are constantly setting each other up instead of setting each other up for love. To remove the judgment, nothing does it better than relationships with people. It causes all of our stuff to come into our face. And what I am asking of you this morning and asking of myself is if what if we had the courage to remove judgment and look at a person with love and compassion. What if we understood in their struggle that that struggle was there for their wholeness and we're there to hold a space of love? Doesn't mean you have to engage with them. Doesn't mean you have to fight with them. Doesn't mean any of those things. You just get to vibrate an energy of love and watch it transform the planet. Because removing judgment from your life will not only make you feel better about yourself and about the world, but it will change what you feel around the world around you. It will also change the way you see other people, just by the way you vibrate. Because when you judge another, you do not define them, you define yourself. That's how intimately hooked we are at the hip. We cannot affect judgment on another person without it coming back and rippling us in our own face. It's a dirty little trick if you ask me, but a very wise one. That we are having cause and effect with everything that we're projecting. So what if we had the courage to remove fear, to remove judgment? Here's what would happen. First of all, your body would relax because you wouldn't have to fix it. You could just observe it. You could observe it with love and with compassion. Because a little more kindness and a little less judgment is what we're needing right now on the planet. We're at each other's throats. It's time to stop. It's time for civility and compassion and understanding and reaching out. 
Because hate begets hate, but love begets love. And that energetic force is what we're being called to look at. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, wisely talked about people in our textbook. And he says, no one can live by himself alone. Other people are so much a part of our lives that we cannot think of living without them. On the other hand, much of our trouble comes because of others. In our relationships with others, two things must happen if we're to be happy. We must be with others, enjoy them, and act with them in a way of not seeking to control their actions. We must accept them right where they are. That's where the relief comes. How do you spell relief? Plop, plop. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop. Fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. That's what would happen if we would stop judging people. It would be a relief. It would be peaceful. So I'm inviting you to plop down. Plop down with love and cause the release. Because if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Mother Teresa. Because judgment and love cannot coexist in the same space. They vibrate at different frequencies and you must choose one. Choose wisely. Choose wisely for your health. For your wealth. For your concept of who you are. Do not judge my story by the chapter you walked in on. Yeah. Mm-hmm is the right word. Depending on the chapter will depend on the story you're going to get. But my friends, it's just a chapter. And the next one is yet to be written. What if we co-authored it with love? Practicing acceptance. Once we remove judgment, the very next step is acceptance. How do we learn to accept each other? It's a powerful little story that I ran across this week that absolutely touched my heart. She was waiting for her clothes to dry. An elderly woman sat silently on the bench and mumbled to herself. At first, I thought she may have been somebody with mental illness. She was shabbily dressed, and she sat there mumbling. Her soft yet repetitive words seemed to be annoying to everyone else, and the people sitting beside her began to move away one at a time, as most people do when a homeless person shows up. Some even asked the woman on duty if she could be removed. I sat on the bench beside her and glanced over, prepared to smile, but she did not look my way. So we sat together waiting for clothes to dry, and we did not say a single word to each other. Yet she continued her mumbling that actually seemed to lull me into a quiet and peaceful place. When her clothes stopped, she simply remained seated in no rush to get to folding to them, and they would wrinkle like many of us fear. I started to wonder who she was and what her story was, and even if the clothes were hers or she simply came in to sit down and gather some warmth. As my dryer came to a stop, I got up and started folding things, and she remained seated. When I was nearly done, she finally rose from the bench and came toward me. Her eyes were a cloudy blue, but she seemed to look straight through me for a moment. I could not really recall how anyone had ever looked through me like that. I smiled, and this woman very graciously handed me a small card, and inside of it, the following message was written. I am simply a woman, and many find me odd. 
I have not spoken to others since my son died in the war. Thank you for sitting beside me as I prayed for him. As I read the card, tears welled up in my eyes, and this fragile woman reached out her hand and placed it on mine. I realized at that moment that her mumblings from my judgment were actually prayers, and her lack of contact with even a smile was due to a sense of hopelessness. How sad she must be to live in a world where she was shunned because she seemed to be different. I returned to the laundry many more times, and we sat together as she prayed. One sunny day I came in, and there sat a lovely woman, dressed neatly and appeared somewhat uncomfortable in the setting. I said hello to her, and she nodded back. Then I sat down on my bench and waited for my friend to come so that we could pray together. But this day when I sat, she did not come. After waiting a bit, I began to whisper the prayers that I had been able to make out for the many months I had been sitting with her, with my unknown friend. The woman who I had encountered upon arrival came closer to me and cleared her throat. She asked if, I'm, if she might be able to sit next to me. A bit on edge as I was, awaiting my friend, of course, and she sat and looked at me with the most pure blue eyes I had ever seen. Within a few moments, she introduced herself, and her name was Alice. We exchanged friendly greetings and sat in silence, which seemed like hours. And finally, Alice asked me if I came here often to do laundry. Funny question, I thought, but it was better than talking about the weather. I noted that I usually came in and sat with a friend, but she seemed not to be coming today. Alice reached out her hand, and I could see she was not one to frequent a laundromat exquisitely done nails, beautiful rings, and maybe a sense of uneasiness. Alice began in a gentle tone to speak to me about a woman she called her mother. She spoke of their status in the community and the outreach work that her mother had prided herself on teaching her children. She remarked that each week, mother would come into this place, put coins in the dryer, and when the clothing stopped and needed more time, she sat silently. The family thought she had dementia, but that was not the problem. She had lost her son in Vietnam and never really recovered from his loss. This had been the place to come and do laundry, and when he was home from college many years before he went to Vietnam, that's where he did his laundry. He sat on that very bench. She continued on, and I listened carefully to the story, and now it all started to make sense to me. This young woman was the daughter of my friend, and this place is where the mother felt close to her son. But her daughter never knew that she did not sit silently as suspected. Rather, she prayed for her lost son in the courage and the grace to continue to be of service. When Alice finished her story, she asked, did you ever meet my mother? Without hesitation, I proudly said I knew her mother and that each day we met here and sat on the bench and that we prayed for her loved ones. Alice stood and prepared to leave, but before she did, she handed me a fine linen envelope. I believe, she said, this is for you. And without another word, she gracefully walked out. I sat on my bench and looked at the envelope, so simple and addressed to only a dear friend. Taking in a deep breath, I opened the envelope and took out the linen stationery inside and began to read. 
my dear fellow companion and friend, in the beginning when I came to this place, I came in sorrow. I sat and remembered my boy and prayed. People cast glance my way and acted as if somehow I was crazy. I sat in the same place and talked with my son and prayed that he would know that I loved him still and was proud to be his mother. Then one day you walked in and sat beside me. As time went by, you continued and joined in my prayers. I wondered how you could understand such an old fool like me. Somehow you understood. I tried to do good, to be someone who could help other people, and I raised my son that way. She, my friend Alice, you have must have met my daughter. She is a grand lady but thinks I'm losing my mind. At one point, I also believed that as well. You asked me for nothing, but you gave me something that I will carry with me until I leave the earth. You gave me the gift of acceptance. You sat there without judgment and with respect and treated me in the regard of the person that I am. I truly look forward to our meetings. I was the dear lady who you did not know her name. I'm going home now to meet my son soon. And I want to write this while my mind was clear to make sure that Alice would, I knew Alice would carry out my wishes. Your presence and acceptance of what seemed like oddities meant so much to me. No one has ever been so kind without ever saying a word back. All you did was radiate love and acceptance. My precious friend, I love you. And I have felt something for you and those who may come to this place to remember me. Blessings always. Tears rolled down my eyes as I realized how my friend would no longer come to sit with me on this sacred bench. Just as she had come to look forward to our time together, so had I. I was filled with joy. And so I made a decision. I had a bench, a new bench put there. And in there was a plaque that said, heaven on earth, friend to friend. I was to remain blessed to have followed my heart. And I still go once a week to do my laundry. I sit back and simply say my brief prayer that my friends have said. And what I realized is that my job is to carry out acceptance in the world simply by sitting on a bench. Acceptance. Just accepting people for who they are and where they are in their journey. And wouldn't you be surprised to realize that there's a whole other story going on underneath it. A powerful story. A story of beauty. A story of the dignity of each and every person. The greatest gift that you can give to others is the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. And it will cost you absolutely nothing. Nothing. He didn't have to say a word on the bench. 
He just had to radiate acceptance. That's all he had to do. That's all we have to do is radiate it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to manipulate it. All he simply did was vibrate there. Learn to love with all your heart and accept the unlovable side of others. For anybody can love a rose, but it takes a great heart to include the thorns. To hold the space. Do it with your hands. All you're doing is holding a space. That's all you have to do in acceptance. You just hold the space. You don't have to change it. You don't have to label it. You just have to hold the space where a person can feel they're okay right where they are. It's not our differences that divides us. It's our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences. We do it in all kinds of ways. Happiness can only exist in acceptance. Those two vibrational frequencies are dependent upon each other. I've learned that accepting others and accepting myself are two sides of the same coin. You cannot love and accept yourself without doing it to other people. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, writes it this way. The well-adjusted person is the one who has been permitted to be an individual and who has also learned to cooperate with others. If we do not merge with others in cooperation, in unity, in acceptance, in happiness, we may be certain that there is something in us that needs to be healed. Here is where the adjustment must be made. What we must do is to see that we ourselves might adjust to others. We must be flexible enough to realize and recognize that their opinions are right for them, even though they do not fit into our scheme. Forgive yourself and everyone else for everything that has ever happened. Try to feel that everyone is doing the best that he can do just as they are. The hardest lesson in the world is to understand that we cannot change each other. And we beat our head against the pulp all the time. We're bound and determined that they're going to be who we are. They're going to have our political view. We do. I'm watching us now. It's all of us. It's, it's, it's beating that pulp. And, and what our founder, Dr. Ernst, is saying is, that is useless energy, my friends. Your job is to hold the container. Our job is to hold the container of love and acceptance. That's the only job that we have. It's not difficult. It's what we're going to do. Because the only way a society of diverse people can survive without tearing itself apart over differences in nature is by accepting that all people are different and that no single one of us is more or less deserving of a decent treatment, compassion, legal or ethical, equality, justice, life or love than others. What a lesson we need to learn. And we've been put here on the planet to learn it. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. Do you walk in the shoes of a brother or a sister? You cannot understand it. You pretend that you do, and I pretend that I do, but we do not understand it. This month, we are celebrating Black History Month. We have so much work to do with the African-American community. 
because we continue not to walk in the shoes of each other. And it's critical. The work that needs to be done is critical work. It's holding the container of acceptance, holding that powerfulness. Last but not least, giving of yourself to others. I want to introduce you to a woman named Brittany Mason. Her official name is Bridget. She was born August 15, 1880, and she died January 15, 1891. And I want you to hear about her history. If you lived in Los Angeles, you might know her. Brittany Mason was born into slavery on August 15, 1880. Her exact birthplace is unknown. Different sources cite different locations. At an early age, she was taken from her parents and moved to a plantation of another slave owner. Although records during her youth were incomplete, she spent most of her time on a plantation owned by John Smithson. During her teenage years, she learned domestic and agricultural skills, and additionally, she developed skills in herbal medicine and was a midwife and taught her to give birth to other many female slaves. These skills were passed down from the African, Caribbean, and Native American traditions. Her knowledge benefited her and the slaves in the plantation odors. Biddy was given to or sold to Robert Marion Smith and his bride, Rebecca Dorn Smith, in the 1840s. She was given to the Smiths as a wedding present. But records are not clear as to why she moved to the Smiths Mississippi plantation. Biddy was valuable to the Smiths because of her knowledge of medicine, child care, and livestock care. While on the Smith plantation, Biddy had three children, and the fathers, one of them, was Robert Smith himself. A 25-year-old slave named Hannah worked for Biddy on the plantation, like Biddy and Hannah, and they all took care of each other's children. Missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were prosthesizing in Mississippi. They taught Smith, his wife, and six other children, and they were converted. Slaves were not allowed to be preached to or baptized without their master's permission, according to church policy. The Smith household joined a group of other Mormons and moved their plantation from Mississippi and made exodus, and they traveled to Pueblo, Colorado, and joined up with a group of sick detached from the, another type of Mormons. They journeyed west, and Biddy was valuable to the wagon campaign. They ended up in San Bernardino in 1850, where she was illegally held in captive, because at the time, California did not have slavery. California was free from slaves, and yet her owner kept her in ignorance and refused to let her go. Biddy wanted to be free, but was under the control of Robert Smith and the ignorant laws to her own rights. In 1856, Smith decided to move the slaves to Texas so that he could keep them. Biddy would not go. She relayed her fears of being separated from her own children, and due to a romantic relationship of two of Biddy's and Hannah's daughters, they were determined with the spouses to be freed, and they were. He finally had to let her go. After Smith failed to appear in court on January 21st in 1856, the judge presiding over the case declared that Biddy and her family members were free. After becoming free, Biddy and her daughters moved in with Robert Owens, the father of Charles Owen, a well-known Los Angeles businessman. 
she began to transform Los Angeles. Due to all of her different strengths, Mason began to gather money. In fact, she began to be a very powerful businesswoman in Los Angeles. In 1872, along with her son-in-law, Charles Owen Mason, they founded the first African-American Methodist Episcopal Church in Los Angeles. She donated the land on which the church was built. At that time, she had a wealth of over $600,000. She began to build schools for black children in Los Angeles. Mason learned to speak Spanish as well as to be able to reach out to the Hispanic community. She dined on occasions in the home of uh, Picasso and also other famous artists and wealthy people from Los Angeles. After Mason's death on January 15, 1891, she was buried in an unmarked grave in the Evergreen Cemetery in the neighborhood of Boyle Heights. On March 27, 1988, in a ceremony attended by the mayor of Los Angeles and members of the church she founded, the grave finally got the mark she deserved. If you go to California today, the church site is Biddy Mason Park in Los Angeles, and a beautiful statue is attributed there. Now, here's what I want you to know about Biddy. Biddy did not become bitter. After all that was done to her, horrible, she did not become bitter. In fact, what she did was become this powerful woman who transformed so many neighborhoods in Los Angeles by giving herself to other people. Slavery is not just slavery. Slavery of the mind is the worst slavery of all. Once she became freed, she gave herself to other people. She could have been bitter. She could have carried a chip on her shoulder. She did not. She learned to serve. You and I are called to serve as well. Respect others. Help others. Love others. These are the keys that unlock the soul. And Biddy knew it. Biddy unlocked her soul and transformed thousands of lives. You and I can transform by helping other people. When you can remove judgment, when you can implant acceptance, the next step is service. Serve. Serve others right where they are. Because the more you give of yourself to others, the more joy and peace will flow into your own life. It will come rushing in. Because the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Gandhi knew that well. In the end, nothing we do or say in this lifetime will matter as much as the way we have loved one another. A friend of mine recent, I've been in touch with this friend for many years. He befriended me yesterday on Facebook. It's a gentleman I knew when I was a Catholic priest in Grand Junction. And he somehow connected with me on Facebook. Here's what he said to me in a little note. I have never forgotten the beautiful memorial service you did for my mother. I still remember exactly what you said. I don't remember what I said. 
but he does. All I did was radiate love. What can you radiate this week? What could you possibly do this week that would remove judgment, create a container of acceptance, and then give away something to somebody? Mostly yourself. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. Say that with me. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether they are worthy. Just do it. Be so busy loving God, loving others, and loving your life that you have no time for regret, worry, fear, or drama. Only acceptance. Only love. Loving others is our job. That's what we must do. Loving others as you would love yourself. Judge others as you would judge yourself. Cherish others as you would cherish yourself. When you wish for others as you wish for yourself, and when you protect others as you would protect yourself, that's when you can say it's true love. That's what true love vibrates and looks like. Your assignment is very clear this week. Because you're going to walk out of this building today and you're going to get into the parking lot and you're going to begin to judge another person the way they drive, the way they park, the way they either let you go first or not. Put your foot on the brake. Take a deep breath and do what? Do it for no other reason than to give peace that passes understanding in your own life. When you leave today and you bump elbows with other people and you have the temptation not to accept them right where they are, create the container. In fact, move your hands to remind yourself to practice acceptance. And last but not least, give of yourself to other people. It's the only thing that makes sense in the end. I invite you to stand, hold hands, and pray with me. There is an energetic force in the universe. It is the God wisdom of love. It vibrates at a frequency of acceptance and joy and peace. Breathe it in right now with me. And as we breathe in that divine breath, what I know is that we are one with it. We are one with acceptance and love and peace. And what I know is that I am one with this divine presence. I know every single person in this space is the divine expression of the one. And so this day, I know and declare that we radiate on the planet, that we vibrate a frequency of divine acceptance. Feel it this day. 
And so we release all judgment. Whatever judgment comes to our mind at this moment, the judgment of someone we are not forgiving, the judgment of a spouse, the judgment of a boss, the judgment of prejudice, we release it. And we hold a container of acceptance. And that's what I claim and know that we have the power to do and we are doing it at this moment. That we go forth from this place creating a container of acceptance, of non-judgment, and of welcome. I claim that for us and I claim it for all the African American community this month. That we remember that hate does not work that we remember that it is about love and acceptance. I claim and know that for us at this very moment. I am in such gratitude that we possess the power to heal this planet, and we say yes to it this day. We clear our mind of judgment and fear and indifference, and we step into that divine knowing that we are perfect, holy, complete, and that every single person we encounter this day is perfect right where they are learning exactly what they need to learn, and we simply radiate an energy of love. I say thank you, Spirit. I simply release these words under the universal law because I know the minute I have spoken them, a container has been created. A vibratory frequency is vibrating, and we step into it. We live from it. We breathe from it, for it is exactly who we are knowing this is the truth, we simply join together and sing and affirm. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows the time in our service where we get to circulate our good, that we get to create a container 
of love by sharing our prosperity and invite all those who are joining us online who are part of our virtual community to join in circulating your good as well by donating online. So I invite you to take your tithe, your gift in your hand, place it over your heart, and let us pray our affirmation together. I joyfully celebrate the flow of God through me. I am grateful for receiving and giving to my spiritual community. I give thanks, always knowing God is my source, and so it is. I hope you enjoyed our service and the message today. Thank you for attending today. We here at Center for Spiritual Living have a big, hairy, audacious goal, and it's to bring inspiration and positivity and to be the change we want to see in the world. But we need your help. By clicking on the donate button, your donation today will help empower us to take these powerful principles that have changed so many lives out into the world. Imagine living your best life without guilt or fear or hell or damnation. What if you knew that you are perfect just the way you are? You are filled with such goodness. What we know is that you have a spirit in you expressing itself uniquely as you. That's a message that our world so needs to hear at this time. I thank you for your donation. I also encourage you to check out some of our life courses here on the website. These incredible courses will give you the tools that you need to transform and continue to grow spiritually. You can do these courses at your own pace and you'll be joining with hundreds of others who have said yes to expanding their lives. Thank you for being with us today. We look forward to your next visit with us.